Hey guys, thanks for tuning us in for this 51st episode of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guests for this episode include actress Daniela Monet, Jonathan Katz, comedian, also reality star Fred Hurt. We'll also talk to U.S. Senator James Lankford and debut single Let Me Love Me from K-pop star Megan Sue. If you would, please take the time to subscribe, drop a like, comment, leave some feedback, and share with your friends. Our first guest on this episode is Daniela Monet. You remember her from Victorious and other small screen appearances. We'll be talking about her podcast and pandemic family business inspirations. First off, Daniela, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thanks for having me, Cameron. I'm excited to be here. Now, now, when did uh, the podcasting bug get a hold of you, and uh, has it turned out uh, quite as tedious as you might have thought at the beginning? You know, it got a, it got a hold of me about a year after I feel like the buzz was really happening in the podcast space, but I knew that I wanted a really good outlet to connect with people in a much realer way. You strip away the video, you strip away the editing, and you just talk so freely, so I had to pitch my uh, fiance, we've been together for nine years on this idea, and he's He's just a voice of reason. I'm like the, this, like, we're very opposite, right? And so we talk about all things um, adulting, really. And since launching the podcast, we've had our first child. We're now pregnant with our second. We've launched a couple businesses. We've quit jobs. We've had all kinds of ups and downs. It's been a great place to be able to just be really transparent with our audience and hopefully instill some sense of, uh, I guess, normalcy, but also relatability and some lessons along the way. Now, do you find that the podcast has helped you maybe keep a, a sense of sanity, knowing that you're helping other folks that are kind of going through the same mess that we've all been going through this year? Absolutely. It's been a huge form of therapy um, for us personally. It's kept us pretty consistent with like connecting as well. You know, with things going on nowadays, there's a child we're taking care of, things that we're, we're constantly trying to keep afloat. And so when we come together to, to chat on the show, it's been like the best place for us to really just get it all out. And I think our audience has really responded to that because I feel like a lot of people are in the same boat right now. And I know that you are uh, trying to your best to be ethically entrepreneurial, I, I guess is the, the way I kind of want to put that. For for you, it, you got the new diaper line as well. And, and uh, this is exciting. I wanted to give you a chance to talk about where the where the idea for that first came for you. Thanks. So I uh, created Sprouted when I was pregnant with my first son, Gio, and it was really just something I needed to do for myself because I realized when I was looking for diapers for him, there wasn't a vegan certified diaper that was soft, that was functional, that was eco-friendly. Um, and so I did everything I could to create what I think is the best diaper that's better for your baby, but also great for the environment. Um, and it's super functional. So in the first week of Geo's birth, before I had my sprouted diapers, I had a blowout that was so messy, so hard to clean. Um, you know, you're going through so many new things as a new parent. The last thing you want to do is have messes in a diaper that you can't trust. But I didn't want to sacrifice what I really felt morally was right, which was, you know, diapers are wasteful, and I didn't want to buy these diapers that had tons of chemicals that were bad for the environment, um, that weren't even comfortable or soft. So I created a diaper that ticked all the boxes for me, and I think it's 
the first ever. We're the first ever vegan certified diaper in the United States. And so Sprouted was born um, just about a few months ago, and it's, it's thriving. Now, one of the things I love to ask people, especially entrepreneurials and uh, folks that are always uh, trying to look for new innovations, has this been a year uh, that has been easier or harder for you to find the uh, the inspiration for, for new projects? I think both. You know, in the beginning, it was really hard. There was a lot of confusion, and it was hard to figure out how you were going to manage everything that was coming at you, but still be focused on your goals and priorities. And I think recently... You know, there was like a switch that went on. I realized that there was, was a lot that we couldn't control, unfortunately, but the things that I could control was my outlook and what I put out into the universe and what I created and how to, you know, really make it all sort of come together seamlessly. So I've tried to focus more on that. And in turn, I think it's been a really positive year. I've gotten a lot of quality time with my son and my partner, and we've been able to build these businesses, and we've been able to really focus on what's most important. And so everything aside, I think I'm looking at it from a different angle at this point. And that's, uh, that's sometimes what it takes to, to, to make differences too. Now, uh, Daniela, if folks want to find more information about, uh, about all the products that you're offering social media wise and all that. Yeah. You can follow me at Daniela Monet on Instagram and you can check out our podcast, Adulting Like a Mother Father, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or go to Sprouted.com if you know anyone who is looking for a healthy, safe diaper that's better for your baby, better for the environment. There you go. Well, Daniela, it has been great to visit with you this morning. I appreciate you taking some time and hope you have a great rest of your week. Appreciate it. You too. Have a good one. Our next guest is actor and comedian Jonathan Katz. We'll be talking about a live streaming show coming up this Sunday, available via Rush Ticks. First off, Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank, thank you for uh, your availability. Now, now, tell us how the uh, how the virtual live show idea was first approached to you. Was it was it something you were real interested in, or uh, did did it take a little while? Well, you know, there's not a whole, because of the world we live in right now. There's not there are not a whole lot of ways you can perform. Um, but Doctor Katz has gone through so many iterations from a cartoon on Comedy Central to a live show at, at comedy festivals all over the country to an audio book made with audible.com and this is just the latest iteration and it's um by the way if you I, I have no idea what the word iteration means <laughs> but but it doesn't stop me from using it um and this is just another way to do this the same show and it's, kind of challenging because everybody's in a different part of the country everybody's sitting in front of a computer and uh, the company that's producing this company rush which is r-u-s-h-t-i-x rushtix.com is uh, you know they're dealing with a, a mess of technology to put this together but apparently they're very good at the live streaming business and have you have you done any live streaming any any of the Zoom meetings this year? How uh, how has that prepared you for uh, for this live event? Well, I did. I, I've done a couple of shows. Um, one with uh, a comedian named Erica Rhodes, and Wendy Liebman also joined us. And one more recently for uh, the comedy studio in Cambridge. And I was working with Eugene Merman and a guy named Dan Mintz, who is 
actor, he's, he's one of the characters on Bob's Burgers, but he's an extraordinary stand-up. Um, that was fun. You know, I, I, I like working with these guys. How much is the uh, adjustment to go into the, the streaming as opposed to, to seeing the live reaction from the fans? I can tell you uh, on Monday. <laughs> Took me a moment there. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. But my, my theory is that Dr. Cat shouldn't really hear the laughter of the audience, but the patients might find it helpful because yeah. I'm, I'm pretending that I'm I'm, I'm a therapist. Therapists don't don't really hear laughter. All right now, now where did the uh, the original idea, the concept for for Doctor Katz? When did that first come to you? Well, it was a, it was a shared thing with my friend Tom Snyder, who was in the educational software business and discovered the, a very cool way to make animation. He saw me in a movie named Things Change and was very drawn to my style of comedy. And we didn't, we, I live in Newton, Massachusetts. He lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And we got together and started working on a bunch of projects. And the one that took was Dr. Katz. Now, again, the uh, the, the special live uh, exclusive show coming up on Rush Ticks. Again, uh, RushTicks.com. And Jonathan, if folks want to find out more information about that and uh, and other stuff you've got going on social media-wise, where can they keep up with that as well? I guess they can check out um, my website, which is JonathanCats.com. Uh, they can follow me on Twitter. Twitter for me is a place where I make jokes. That's the way. That's the way he intended it. Not, not for, not for really for the use of Donald Trump, <laughs> and so many others as well. That's for sure. Yeah. Again, that uh, special streaming event coming up this Sunday, exclusively on Rush Ticks. Check it out. And again, uh, Jonathan, it has been great to, to visit with you this morning. And uh, again, oh, thank, thank you so much. I enjoy your day. Thank you again for your hospitality. I really appreciate it. Up next is reality star Fred Hurt. We'll be talking about the new season of Gold Rush Whitewaters. First off, Fred, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Uh, glad to be here, Cameron. And uh, what what was it? When did you came into gold mining a, a little later in life? Where what was it that uh, that really struck you in the first place uh, to, to make you go brave the brutal elements sometimes? Uh, well, way back when I was about uh, in my late 50s, I had a, a son-in-law that said, Hey, Fred, uh always wanted to go gold mining. He, I, he said, Why don't we go gold mining? You're about to retire when you hit about 60. I said, Well, yeah. He, I said, Well, where are we going to go? And he said, Alaska. I said, Alaska? Why so far away? He says, That's where the gold is. <laughs> And we went, and I bid on it, and uh, tell you what, enjoyed the last uh, sixteen years of it, seventeen seasons of mining for gold. And that's it. <laughs> there, now, now, what's what's the feeling like uh, on each trip? The first speck of gold that you see, what's what's the feeling in your heart when you see that first uh, that first glitter? 
Well, it's kind of like when you went first went fishing and you caught your first great big fish, or you went hunting and uh, well, you might you know you might be deer hunting and that first buck you got or pretty similar, pretty similar. Except gold is even just multiply that about three times. <laughs> it, it, it's a thrill. It's the thrill of the hunt. And the enjoyment of what you're doing, and that's uh, that's the big appeal for uh, gold mining for me. Now, now, how hard was it for you to to feel comfortable in it? Kind of uh, self-taught. Having to, I, I understand that completely. Every job I've ever done, the, the main the, the main teaching that I ever learned was uh, from the school of hard knocks. But what uh, does does it make you maybe appreciate the fines even more once they come? Uh. Well, once the uh, once the seasons come around and everything, you have to first of all you have to learn something about uh, gold mining. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, I'm basically a self self taught person myself. I never went to school for it. Uh, of course, I was in the construction business and uh, underwater, uh, and I was of course a commercial diver underwater in the oil field for years. So it kind of was uh, early uh, life training to go gold mining, like stepping from one profession right straight in, and I kind of just had to learn the techniques of how to find gold. And I learned a lot of that from just talking to a lot of the old gold miners that I was around and uh, adopted my own system, and it's worked out well. And 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 how much satisfaction do you take whenever? Uh, well, we know that uh, you and Justin do have your moment. Dustin have your moments. What's it like whenever you're able to prove yourself right uh, at the end of an argument for you? <laughs> well, uh, everybody wants to be right. I'm not always right, but uh, most of the time I am. Uh, North, you know, when you're a little older, you can draw on a lot of old experience. Uh, successes, failures, lots of failures. You learn how to look at stuff like that, and you learn from every... That's one thing in life. You never want to be afraid of failing at something because you're going to learn something from it. If if you uh, pay attention to that, you are going to learn something from every failure. And eventually, uh, you start succeeding more and more and more. And... uh, you try to pass that on to younger generations. Sometimes they don't want to listen. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you sound just like my dad when you said that. Oh, yeah. And I think lots of fathers and sons and mothers and daughters uh, can understand exactly that. They're trying to teach the younger generation something, but they just don't seem to want to listen sometimes. <laughs> And how hard is it to keep business and family separated? Is that a hard thing for you? Or is that just an easy an easy thing to do? Well, you know, working, uh, <laughs> my son and I have a difficult relationship when it comes to work. Personally, no problem. It's a little fun. Put us together working. Look out. It's like clashing, uh, it's like oil and water, vinegar and, and oil. You know, you just don't mix very well. Uh, he's a strong-headed young man, and uh, right now we've got two different separate crews. I've got my crew, he's got his crew, and I basically did that for my uh, sanity. 
you know, you know, insanity is inherited from your children, don't you? Yeah, that, it's reverse. That's awesome. <laughs> That's good stuff. Now, again, the, uh, the the new season, it returns coming up tomorrow night, uh, Gold Rush Whitewater on Discovery Channel. And, uh, Fred, always want to make sure and uh, and let folks know where they can uh, find more information about the series and everything else you got going as well. Lucky Friday the 13th, tomorrow <laughs> night, following the main uh, Gold Rush show, uh, we follow that show. And uh, it's on Discovery Channel. Uh and I'll tell you what, every Friday night uh, for the next several months, I'd love to come and visit you guys uh, right in your living room. So check out Discovery uh, Channel and uh, look for uh, Gold Rush, and then we have Gold Rush Whitewater right after that. There you go. Well, Fred, it has been great to visit with you this morning. I, I hope you have a great rest of your week, and, uh, well, stay bundled up. I, I, it's a little little cooler there. It, it is. Just all about 10 degrees, 20 degrees, 30 degrees. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to warm up okay. Uh, but the show is kind of like a train wreck. Man, you, if you're watching it, you, once you start watching, you can't look away. <laughs> it's an interesting show. It's an interesting show. Well, that's good stuff. It's going to be a good year. It was a great year. Great year. That's awesome. Look forward to that. And uh, again, Fred, thank you so much for your time. Have a great rest of your week, brother. Cameron, you take care, and thank you very much. And you guys take care. Our next guest is good friend of the show, and United States Senator James Lankford will be talking about what to expect from the coming months in Congress. First off, Senator, thanks for your time this morning. You've been glad to be able to do it. Thanks. And, and I know yesterday was uh, was Veterans Day, and I know this uh, especially uh, serving for the state of Oklahoma and the military installations, the military men and women. I, I wanted to give you a chance to to say something uh, directly to our listeners here in uh, Southwest Oklahoma as well. Yeah, happy belated uh, Veterans Day to folks actually coming in today, but uh, it's a significant day for us just because of the number of veterans and, quite frankly, the respect that we have for those folks that have given so much of their time and life and energy and focus to protecting our nation. Uh, they voluntarily choose to be able to step up and do that, and we are exceptionally grateful. Uh, the freedom, because the freedoms we have is because they've voluntarily chosen to be able to step up and do it. So thanks for that. Uh, yesterday morning, there weren't a lot of gatherings uh, for the Veterans Day. The president went to Arlington Cemetery uh, with a small group of folks just to be able to be there. Uh, I chose to be able to go to the Vietnam Wall uh, to be able to just see the veterans that would show up there because there was no ceremony this year at the wall. Uh, I wanted to just be able to see the veterans that would show up, and sure enough, quite a few did, uh, just to be able to be there and to be able to be together. And I got a chance to be able to thank them personally for Oklahomans uh, for their service in Vietnam, and then uh, also to be able to say we're very, very grateful for how you've continued to serve because everyone that I talked to, uh, their conversation was about what they've continued to do to be able to serve the country, uh, even past the military service, and that's just shows you the heart of our vets. And, and Senator, I know that uh, election news is what, uh, what what everybody seems to hear out of Washington, but uh, but you guys still business as usual, and I know there's a, a lot of stuff going on before the end of, uh, of this, this Senate term as well. And for you, talk about uh, a couple of those things. One of the things, government funding. I, I know this is one of the yeah. one of the key points we, we seem to, t- to come back to every visit. Yeah, it, it, it does seem to be that way. So you're right, there's kind of two tracks going on right now. 
Uh, the president's challenging the election results in several states, as he should, and going through the process to be able to get all the lawyers that are involved, and there's literally hundreds of lawyers that are involved on the ground in these different states. They're doing what only they can do. Uh, while they are doing that work, we are continuing to do the work that we have to do, and uh, that's the 12 appropriation bills. Uh, they've been released now. Uh, there's quite a few items that are in that that uh, I had requested uh, for Oklahoma that did make into the draft of those bills. Uh, so now we've got to finish those 12 in the Senate, get them conference with the House, get them to the president's desk uh, by the end of the year. So all of that's moving in the background. We're also working on a COVID-19 package. Uh, the Senate's been in session all this week. The House chose not to come back this week. Uh, they're going to do just leadership elections next week. Uh, so we're trying to get the House to actually come back into session until we can finish all the COVID-19 negotiations and actually get that bill done, uh, which is exceptionally important to be able to finish out as well. And, and what what is the biggest sticking point on the, the COVID relief right now? Well, the biggest sticking point on COVID relief ends up being the size of it. Uh, Speaker Pelosi, before the election, was talking about over $2 trillion that she wanted to be able to spend on that, which is just an enormous amount of money. Uh, we had put together a half a trillion package, which only in Washington, D.C. is called the skinny package. Um, but that, that package dealt with vaccines, testing, uh, the um, uh, additional money for unemployment assistance for those in long-term unemployment, additional money uh, for small businesses that are having a very difficult time reopening, additional benefits for agriculture uh, to be able to sustain us through this time period, additional help for nonprofits uh, that are kind of our social safety net. So all the key aspects that were in it, that's the half a trillion dollar package. Pelosi wanted to do $2 trillion plus and have a ton of additional stuff thrown in that we said is not essential. We've got to pay attention to the debt uh, as well as pay attention to the, uh, the damage that the uh, COVID-19 is doing right now. So we're trying to be able to do both at once. And Pelosi's saying, don't worry about debt. Let's just spend as much as we can. And we just think we, we have to pay attention to that as well. And obviously, here in Southwest Oklahoma, this is a, a, another key point for us: the, uh, the the National Defense Authorization Act. And uh, and Senator, where are we at with that? And uh, especially locally. Yeah, we we have a great benefit that Senator Inhofe is actually the chairman of the Armed Services Committee in the Senate, and he is the one running the National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, that that bill is done in the Senate, done in the House. It now has to conference between the two. And we're trying to get to the point of being a final conference uh, between both bills. Uh, if we can get that done, uh, then they'll do the final uh, combining of the bills and pass that this December. But it is very important for the operation of our bases, uh, for our military pay raise, for all of the things that go into it. That is an essential bill to actually get done. And it has been done every year for 60-plus years. Uh, it needs to get done this year as well, uh, as well and it will. And, of course, we're just uh, a couple weeks away. It's hard to believe uh, Thanksgiving 2020. And uh, with, with all of the other stuff that's been going on around the world, what's, uh, what, what are you most thankful looking forward to Thanksgiving this year? You know, it is interesting. We, we, we talk about sometimes jokingly that you should count your blessings uh, because it does change your attitude when you do that. There is something very powerful about Thanksgiving. Say, in the middle of everyone griping their way through 2020, and, uh, and everyone's saying, oh, my gosh, 2020 is the worst year ever. Uh, it is very powerful for us to be able to stop and go, Let, let's express what we are grateful for uh, in this year as well and to be wise uh, in that moment because there is still a lot to be grateful for. I, I had someone that uh, texted me uh, just last week and said, give me something hopeful. And I texted them right back and said, God is still God. 
nothing has changed on that. Uh, we still have a faithful, good God uh, who has a purpose and a plan for us and for our nation, and uh, he is going to continue to shepherd us through this incredibly difficult time. And there are things that we need to learn and we need to gain from it, and we need to be able to refocus in our life. Uh, and I think we should do that. Uh, but during this time of Thanksgiving, it'll be exceptionally important to be able to check on folks that are isolated, because a lot of folks will not be able to connect with their family like they normally do. Uh, and that will be really hard for a lot of families, my family included, as we have members of my extended family that are in very vulnerable health uh, conditions and uh, just can't connect this year. So do what you can to be able to watch out for each other on that, uh, maintain uh, the protection of each other uh, as we walk through these final months before we actually get the vaccine in place and uh, can finally get past COVID-19, uh, but definitely count your blessings. Also, Senator, as uh, as everybody waits for the the election results to, to become final, what do you think it is on, on, on each of us as Americans to, to work together, especially across the aisle? Because that's what it's going to take for us to make a difference, right? Yeah, it will. Eventually, we've got to be able to resolve things in the election. Very close. It's interesting uh, for Republicans as a Republican, uh, not a single Republican in the House of Representatives lost their reelection, not one. In fact, they gained somewhere between 10 to 12 seats uh, in the House. So Republicans made great gains in the House. Uh, we had two Republicans that lost their seat in the Senate, one Democrat that lost their seat in the Senate, and we have two more races to go. And across the country, uh, more state legislators went Republican than Democrat across the country. And so the, the, the country is a center-right country that does not want to be socialist. And so the key thing that we can work on, if this is a President Trump second term or if this is a Joe Biden first term, we've got to be able to solve the key issues of the nation. Uh, knowing this nation does not want to be socialist, uh, but does want us to be able to sit down and to be able to work out the issues and to be able to find uh, solutions to that. And that is not an unreasonable thing to be able to do. And so we'll continue to be able to push that way, uh, even as we have uh, the Senate elections that still have to be determined in Georgia uh, January the 5th with a runoff and the presidential election debate still ongoing. That's right. And again, Senator, always want to make sure and let folks know for more information, uh, website, social media as well. Yeah, they can always go to langford.senate.gov, langford.senate.gov, it's G-O-V, uh, or they can go on the social media sites at, at Senator Langford, uh, and you can post anything there. I would just encourage you not to believe every comment that you read that's there. Uh, but you're welcome to be able to engage there as well. All right. Well, Senator, always great to visit with you, my friend. I uh, hope you have a great rest of your week, and uh, happy Thanksgiving early to you. Yeah, well, happy belated Veterans Day and happy early Thanksgiving Day. God bless y'all. Her debut K-pop singer, Megan Sue, on the line with us. And uh, first off, Megan, uh, it's nice to get to visit with you, and uh, thanks for taking the time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a, definitely a pleasure. Now, now, when you talk about uh, debuting some music, now I, I mentioned before we came on, you you, you can in, in, instruct us a little bit, maybe uh, educate us. Uh, I, my, my daughter talks K-pop and all that stuff. I I don't know the distinction genre-wise. Uh, so first off, give me a little idea what uh, what K-pop means uh, to to you personally. Yeah, definitely. Well, K-pop is definitely um, pop music, but with like traditional Korean music roots. Um, but it's influenced by a lot of styles, so not just even pop. It's influenced by like rock, jazz, gospel, hip hop, R and B, um, EDM, dancehall. That's why they have like this very like EDM pop feel to it. Um, but it's it's basically pop, <laughs> just with Korean in it. 
There you go. Now, now for you, when did uh, when did your love of 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 the genre come, and uh, what was it that inspired you to get involved as well? Of course, so I honestly loved K-pop. Like I was obsessed with BTS in high school, um, and obsessed with dance hall and soca music. And I kind of always I always love those type of genres of music. And it wasn't until just a couple of years ago I started writing um, lyrics from just random ideas in my head that I would get driving or going to school or stuff like that. And I started working on it in a studio and I realized I wanted to add something a little bit more authentic from myself to it. Um, And being mixed of Korean, Chinese and Trinidadian, I was like, why don't I add, you know, some Korean in there and then kind of have like that dance hall flavor to it. So it's a fusion of K-pop and dance hall. And so, so correct me if I'm wrong, uh, K-pop, you got to be able to dance as well to, to be a part of it, right? <laughs> I mean, yes, especially in Korea. It's, you always have to be able to dance in, in K-pop groups and whatnot. But um, I think nowadays, if you're like a solo K-pop artist, I think it's okay if you can't. But definitely in the K-pop groups, you have to. <laughs> Who are the who are the biggest influences on on your musical styling, whether it be K-pop or or music that you were uh, introduced to as a youngster? Yeah, uh, some of the artists that really influenced my music is um, Diplo. So he's part of Major Lazer. He's like a solo DJ, and he's also part of like this Major Lazer group. I've been listening to his early early stuff since high school, and that really played a role in like how I wanted my music to make people feel um and just the way he uses all these different types of instruments i really love that uh, bts j park and mia <laughs> now now as far as the music's concerned where do you where does the inspiration come is it just the everyday life is it maybe just uh well i, I guess you just tell me where where your inspirations are honestly my inspiration is just from everyday life and I want to make my music relatable uh and also more so of a a positive uplifting message I feel like there's just so much going on in the world especially right now and then there's always negativity around us so I just want my music personally to be something that people can feel uplifted or go to to just have that boost in their day and 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 how much does social media lend to the to the musical style and also the, the the shareability of it Honestly, social media has been great for helping me get my music across to different people and different platforms. I mean, without social media, it'd be so much harder for not only myself, but other artists and influencers to share what they love doing and and reaching all of these supporters and whatnot that wouldn't necessarily be able to even see your music if it wasn't on the radio or hear it. And and what what have been the specific challenges this year? Obviously, no, not much face to face, but uh, as far as maybe uh, collaborating with others as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely COVID put a a halt on a lot of things. I mean, studios are closed. The producer I usually work with, um, his studio closed and he's taken some time off as well. Um, So it's just been really hard to create content with other people right now if you don't have like an in-home studio um, especially I just moved, but I was living at home. So I don't have any peace and quiet to sing at all. I have a dog, a sister, my two parents that are just, everyone's loud. We have chickens and a rooster in the backyard. So there's just no singing <laughs> for me at home. Um, so it just, it has been difficult to go in the studio, obviously, but 
things are starting to pick back up, which is good. And what when you're being inspired for music, is it is it usually uh, is it lyrics? Is it uh, maybe you hear a, a, a rhythm or a, a little riff? What is it that is the usually the beginning for you? It would it would honestly just be a thought in my head when I'm walking, or especially when I'm driving. I get a lot of inspiration, just <laughs> things, or just like maybe it just pops in my head from the radio or whatever I'm listening to, and I'm like, oh, I kind of like this idea or I'm just driving and something will randomly pop in my head and it will usually just be a lyric like I'll have no uh, I guess melody to it it would just be a lyric or like an idea or a couple of words and then I'll write it down and then usually I'll work on it at home and once I have enough words I'll start thinking of a melody and, and now that uh, the, the the debut is is out there for folks to check out, where is where's the easiest way for folks to find uh, everything that uh, that that to do with Megan Sue and and the music as well? Yeah, I mean you can definitely find it on my Instagram. Everything is on my Instagram, which is just Megan Sue underscore, and also my website MeganSue dot com, and it's on YouTube. <laughs> I just released a music video not too long ago, so everything's out there now. That's good stuff. Well, Megan, it is, it's been great to get to know you a little bit and uh, to, to also get educated a bit myself and uh, <laughs> hope you have a great rest of your day and uh, hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's a pleasure talking with you. Again, thanks for tuning us in for this 51st episode of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. If you ever have a comment, question, anything else you'd like to know, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook all at GQ with Cam. If you'd like to help out in the funding for this podcast, feel free to click the support tab and follow the instructions. If you have a special guest idea, email me GQ with Cam at gmail.com. Again, thanks to our good friend, Brandon Allen for coming up with the theme music. I'm going to let him play us out of here. We'll be back with episode number 52 coming up tomorrow. <laughs>